0: need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look, be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited because this week we have a guest. We have someone you may or may not know because she has her own podcast that's very successful. And this is Stephanie from the Sustainable Minimalists. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Betsy. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you know, the thing that's so exciting is that in the world of interior design, we're so used to getting things, accumulating what's next, what's fresh, what can I buy? But then my clients come to me and they say, Betsy, I need to get rid of some stuff first, or I need to figure out what to do with the things I already own. And sometimes the process can feel so wasteful. And I love that now clients in the past, I don't know, five to 10 years, have started to ask before they even book us as interior designers, they're asking, you know, I really want to make this a more eco-friendly process. How do I do that? So I've been noticing a lot of interest from our clients, but I must say this is really not my area of expertise. And I don't know much about this field. So I'm really excited to just learn in general what it means to be sustainable and then how we can apply that to the practice of interior design. So no pressure, Stephanie. You're going to educate (laughs) us, fill us in. Um, But first, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, my name is Stephanie Safarian. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. It is a twice-weekly show about eco-friendly living, minimalist living, living with intention, and most importantly, making sure that there is a planet for our children to live, grow, and thrive on. Um, I also have a book by the same name, Sustainable Minimalism, and I'm just really passionate about all things eco minimalism. I live in New England with my two daughters and my husband and my dog and my cat, and we have bees. We have like ten thousand of them, and so it's crazy
0: over here, but it's really great. So thank you for having me. So the for those of us who can't have bees, well, I mean, I guess I technically could have bees, but for those of us who don't have bees, tell us in general what it means to be sustainable how we can be sustainable or how we can start to shift our mindsets. Yes,
1: that's such a good question. I feel like the terms green and eco-friendly and sustainable, they're all they all get interchanged as though they all mean the same thing, but that's not that's not accurate. Green is just kind of like it's it's ambiguous. Eco-friendly means you're not actively harming the planet and sustainable is eco-friendly plus so it means you're not actively at this moment hurting the planet but your actions also have a future consciousness like so your actions are not you know going to hurt the planet also sometime in the future so sustainability Mm -hmm. is slightly not slightly actually a lot harder to achieve like being sustainable is harder to achieve than simply being eco-friendly But for listeners who are listening and they are just like, whoa, I don't even know where to start. Let's just all start by, you know, thinking about are my actions right now um, serving the planet? I think that's a great place to just start. Let's not start, let's not start thinking about the future. Let's just start about right now.
0: (laughs) Well, yes, that was kind of what I was thinking about when you were defining the thing, the words for us is that. That sustainable is not only in the moment, how am I doing, but are my actions in the moment going to perpetuate, you know, bio friendly things in the future, which is so hard for us to wrap our brains around. As for me, a newbie to this world, right? I'm always conscious of it and certainly recycling and things like that. But You know, now more than ever, it feels really important to be sustainable, especially in New England with the winter we just had that was so mild. And, you know, you're kind of feeling the effects of potentially this global warming. Why now are my clients interested in sustainability? Am I starting to perk up regarding this term?
1: Um, Well, we're starting to perk up because now we're realizing that it's too late. The best time when we should have been starting to think about the planet and the future of the planet was 30, 40, maybe 50 years ago, but it wasn't cool. It wasn't hip. It's still not cool or hip, but now we're reaching a critical moment where if we don't start thinking about it, if we don't start acting drastically now, um, I have young children. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Their lives are going to be severely and incredibly impacted by climate change. And so I think that's why, you know, your clients are um, interested in environmental issues and sustainability. It's because the time was 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, and we didn't do anything about it. And I say we as a collective. And so now the, now the pedal is really to the metal.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, before maybe it was all in theory. And now we're actively feeling the effects and we're actively seeing what this is leading to. And so it's time, well, past time, as you mentioned, to make some changes. So, you know, my world is kind of revolving around interior design. And I'd love to have some tips on how I can make this industry, my profession, when I'm working with clients, more sustainable. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yes. I have so many thoughts,
1: <laughs> Betsy. And I think the first one would just be a great umbrella tip, not just for interior design, but for fashion, for our wardrobes, for for everything. And that is to like, stop thinking about trends, stop blindly following the trends because trends come and go and when the trends go so does all the stuff that we bought to be trendy right i think about my closet um circa i don't know 2005 halter tops oh my gosh they were so great tube tops where are where are Is that are... in
0: your closet right now is that
1: No <laughs> no because they were trends and i will look ridiculous in 2023 wearing a tube top and so i think we can really apply that to interior design as well There's something to be said for um, jumping on a trend bandwagon if we truly love it. And if we believe that the trend is timeless, it's going to last at least a decade. But a lot of times, you know, the trend cycle, why is there a trend cycle? It's because corporations are trying to push more products on us and trying to get more of our money. And so when we see it that way, like we're actually missing out. We're losing. We're we're actually losing our hard earned money when we prescribe to the trend cycle. Um, the trends don't, at least for me, look as enticing.
0: Right. I think it's really interesting to think about the motives behind retail in general and shopping and capitalism. I mean, we could get, we could really zoom out, right? But I do think that it's interesting, you know, looking at the media, looking at um, even my own podcast, you know, people want to know about the trends. People want to hear what's fresh and new. And certainly a lot of us need some fresh and new things. I moved into a house that's double the size of my last house and I actually need things. And some of the things that I need are going to be out there and what's marketed to me. And I am going to be following the trends. But as you guys know from listening to my show, I like the trends that feel classic and timeless. I'm not a fan of switching out my drapes every season. In the summer, having open weave linen and in the winter, bringing out my velvet drapes. First of all, it's just not practical for my lifestyle. Where am I going to put all these other drapes? And who's going to find the time? Who's going to find the time? But also, you know, what are we feeding into with that? Are we feeding into Better Homes and Gardens pressuring us to do that because it does fuel this sort of retail chain? Or is it something that really motivates us personally and lights us up? So I think when we're designing, we could be evaluating those two things. You know, is this something that's going to better my life, that's going to be in my life for a while, or am I just buying this on a whim? Because, you know, I am guilty, listeners. You guys know. You're like, Betsy, come on. You've talked about your pillow obsession. I do buy pillows on a whim, Stephanie. This turns into a confessional at a certain point, right? Um, As I drink my Starbucks drink in my plastic cup, oh my gosh, I'm judging myself. (laughs) But. These are all things that we could look at differently, right? And when I do change out my pillows, is there a way to make it more sustainable by only changing the covers and keeping the inserts each time, right? So it doesn't mean that you can't incorporate fresh things that you should never buy something new. It just means when we're thinking about that, is there a way that we can do it better?
1: Yes, absolutely. And like there's a line in the sand for all of us where we can. Um, refresh our decor or update our closets, we can and, and enjoy life and enjoy the things in life that make us happy and also think about the amount of waste that we're producing. There's a line for each of us and it's different for each of us. However, I believe that we can <laughs> enjoy our homes and have a fancy nice home and have a fancy nice closet, and also, preserve the planet for our children. I believe all those things can be true. And that's really my goal on my podcast, to make that
0: goal, make that dream come true for everybody. What's kind of an unexpected way that we could promote sustainability, either while we're out shopping or just in our own lives at home? Well, you know, if you love interior decor, And
1: you find yourself at the start of a new season, or maybe every two years, let's say you want to refresh your decor, it starts by being a conscious consumer, right? So actually looking at the item you're buying, the corporation or company you're buying from, if the the product you're looking at has a third-party certification, that is a really great way to vote with your dollars. So a third-party certification is, it's really usually a logo on a package. And the corporation uses the logo as a flex, like saying, oh, look how look how great we are. But consumers, by and large, don't know what these little icons mean. So they just take it to mean the product is even better and they go along with their lives. Well, they do mean something and they are really good. It takes a lot of Time and money for a company
0: to get one of these third party certifications. Tell me it's more a... about this. Is it like the California seal of approval kind of one where it's low formaldehyde or, or tell me what you're referring to because I don't know about this. Okay, so that's a whole
1: other story and oh, we okay. could talk about that if you want. But okay. I'm talking about Forest Stewardship Council certified. That's a, okay. it's FSC. That means that. The wood that went into making your dining room table, let's say, wasn't illegally cut down. It was sustained, it was, it came from a sustainable forest or made safe. That means that the chemicals in your, I don't know, your bedding (laughs) don't include pesticides or some other potentially harmful chemical. A certified bee is a big one. That goes from anywhere from food to clothes to uh, decor GOTS is a big one in in what we're talking about. Global Organic Textile Certified. That means that ninety to ninety five percent of the fibers in this pillow or in this throw blanket or in this duvet cover, right? Like they are ninety to ninety five percent, I believe, um, certified organic. And so these these certifications mean something. And when we're going to refresh our decor, why not? If funds, like funds with a DS, funds are available, why not support these companies and corporations that went the extra step to get a third-party certification? That's Hmm. a great way to marry your love of design with the love of the planet.
0: Where can we find a list of stores that has this certification? Is there like a database or is there a place we should be looking for for these logos? So some of these third-party
1: certifications are product-specific. So if you're at so-and-so store, some products might have certifications, but other certifications are corporation-based. So certified B is a big one. That's the B in the big circle. That means that the entire corporation is dedicated to putting the planet and its people over profit. So they're willing to take a hit to their profit um, for the betterment of Planet and People. In the like fashion space, Athleta is a big one. Athleta's mm. certified B. Gap is the umbrella. Gap is not, but but Athleta is. Mm. And so if for people who don't even know where to start, start looking for the certified bees. And if you go to their website, they have a list and you can filter it based on
0: what you're looking for. Oh, cool. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we need to avoid when we're shopping. We know we should be looking for certifications, but what should we be looking for and avoiding when we see it? So we'll be right back. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips. Things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. So we are back from the break with Stephanie and I'm really excited because now she shared with us what we should be looking for when we're shopping in terms of those certifications and logos, but what should we avoid? What should we stay away from when we're out at the stores? Great question, Betsy. I would say
1: first and foremost, we shift our mindset when it comes to shopping. Traditionally here or I'm not sure if this is actually for everybody, but the way I grew up was you know, when you go shopping, you search for a deal, you search for the cheapest item, you then brag about how how smart and how great you are for getting the cheapest item. And certainly for listeners who are on a budget, cost is definitely an important factor to consider when shopping, right? However, the cheapest option often is not the most ethical option because someone is paying for your discount it's likely the planet because the planet doesn't have a voice and can't say anything it's also likely the artisans and the workers who created the product right so i suggest listeners start asking themselves like is it too cheap is this whatever mm-hmm. whatever what whatever we're talking about is it too cheap And if the answer is yes, then let that guide your purchasing decision, especially you know in the realm of home decor and interior design. I used to be before going down this road as a podcast host about sustainability. Cheapest was always best. I was moving apartments. I needed something for this space. I didn't care if i wasn't thinking ahead to my next space ikea was my best friend it was super cheap super trendy well the problem with that is the quality is not there the quality it's not real wood it breaks after you know a couple uses and so for people listening who aren't all that interested in sustainability like think about your pocketbook we could pay two hundred dollars for a dresser but lasts you one year or you could pay thousand dollars for a dresser but that dresser is gonna last you a thousand year a thousand years that's wrong. <laughs> it's gonna last you 10 plus 20 years yes. And so that comes that like brings me to my next point which is think about like use. Think about cost per use. When we talk about clothing, we talk about cost per wear. But when we talk about decor, think about like, how many years are you going to have this item? If you, is it timeless? Are you going to have it for 10, 20 years? If so, then it would be prudent to purchase something that's going to actually last for
0: 10 or 20 years. Right, right. Like when we think about that can opener, you know, how many can openers did I buy at the dollar store? That lasted me six months to a year. And then I bought this really amazing can opener on. I can't even remember where. I just love it. I love my can opener. Um, It's one of those that takes the lid off and turns the lid into a lid. I love it. Mm. it. Uh, But anyway, I spent, I think, $25 on it. And I've loved it for years. So that's a really interesting shift. uh, Because I am sort of a person who always loves a sale. I am the person who's like, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe. you will never believe how much I spent. Um, That being said, I keep it till it's threadbare. But, but, uh, yeah, I totally see that relevancy in my own experience shopping. You know, and it's hard because some of us live somewhat disposable lives. As you mentioned earlier, when I first moved to New York City, I was moving every single year. And you never knew what apartment was going to accommodate what. So investing $1,000 in a dresser was really daunting, not only because that was more than my rent at the time, but also because was a long-low dresser going to fit in my next space? Well, there's no telling. But, you know, when we lead those transient disposable lives, what impact does that leave behind? Um, I think that's a really interesting question to be asking ourselves. Absolutely. Um,
1: You know, again, corporations make money when we live disposable lives, anywhere from paper plates to plastic water bottles to dressers that break, right? When this stuff gets wasted or thrown away, we become repeat consumers, we rebuy. And that's not at the planet's benefit. It's certainly not at our wallet's benefit the disposable lifestyle that we are as a society turning towards benefits corporations
0: and corporations only. That's very interesting. You know, just to ask a question that may seem uh, obvious, but I've gotten more and more in, especially as I moved to new England into estate sales, auctions, um, It seems like those types of resources, because the item is used, would be very sustainable. Are there any sort of snafus with that? Any sort of, you'd think that it was, but it wasn't. Any surprises? I would say no. Anytime you can keep
1: an item out of a landfill and Mm -hmm. by default. So let's say you buy, I don't know, let's just go with the example of a rug. You buy A previously loved rug, and you put it in your home, that means you're not purchasing a new rug. And a new rug would come with new before-life concerns. So, what resources were pulled from the earth to create that new rug? You would always, always be treading lighter on the planet when you can provide a home for something that's already been manufactured. So I will I would love to ask you a question, and I know that's weird because like this is an interview. (laughs) Yeah. no. I find like, so I used to live a life in which I wanted a crate and barrel catalog home. I just thought the clean lines, the muted tones, like that was what I strived for. But I'm wondering, you know, from your expertise, from your perspective, like those homes do not look lived in and there's no like pop of surprise. And so I feel now these days that adding in something vintage or adding in something old weathered, different is actually way more interesting than just going to crate and barrel and buying all this stuff.
0: What do you think? Well, of course, for sure. But the thing is a lot of my clients, want that aesthetic too, that crate and barrel look, right? Or they tell me, Betsy, I want a hotel feel. I want it to, you know, just look like I walked in and everything was in its place and everything was perfect. And the problem is that it's devoid of personality. You could live there or Joe down the street could live there or Jennifer, you know, in another state could live there. And I find that people who are afraid of style people who don't want to share their personality are ones that kind of gravitate towards that hotel feel. And the thing is, maybe it's not that you want to live in a crate and barrel catalog, maybe there's something that that catalog evokes. Like maybe for you, it was the minimalism. In a crate and barrel catalog, they often don't style the shelves very much. They don't overclutter spaces. So maybe you were drawn to the crate and barrel aesthetic because it was so clean and simplistic versus being drawn to that actual retail item. So that's the same thing I think about when my clients say, Betsy, I just want my space to look like the Peninsula Hotel. Because the Peninsula Hotel needs to make everybody feel at home versus making Stephanie feel at home. And how mm-hmm. can we reflect Stephanie in the space so that it's not just the Peninsula Hotel, it's your home. And so what I want to get at is what is the feeling you're trying to capture with this generic space? Is the feeling a total escape from you know everything at home, which is what we experience when we go to a hotel? What is it that you're trying to feel and how can we help you to feel that in a way that's more unique to you?
1: Yeah. Does that make
0: sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense and I'm thinking about,
1: you know, every hotel room I've ever been to, I feel totally at ease, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders, I feel totally relaxed. But is that the design or is that the fact that I'm at an, I'm at a hotel
0: and I'm relaxed? <laughs> like I'm I away from my cool. life. And I think people confuse it. But the other thing at a hotel is there's no clutter, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't want the cleaning people to have to clean that. It slows down the process. So what is it about the aesthetic of a hotel that makes me feel carefree? Is it that, you know, there's one set of sheets and one duvet and I don't have to overthink things? Is it that there's three different types of pillows and, you know, that's kind of fun for my experience to have one soft, one firm, whatever, you know, so kind of figuring out what the formula is rather than just embracing the entire look, because it always makes me so sad when people are like, oh my gosh, I just love, you know, being in a hotel. I want this to look like a hotel or I want this to look like page 34 of the West Elm catalog. And what I hear is that people don't want to show themselves, right? People don't want to open up their personality to people who might come over. But I think the deeper reality is that there's something about being in that space that makes them feel a certain way. For instance, I had a client who um, bought this beautiful apartment, beautiful apartment in Jersey City, overlooked the New York City skyline. I mean, just intoxicating. But every day he would go to Starbucks and stay at Starbucks until it closed. And I mean, that was just such an interesting thing that he shared with me. He's like, well, we have to meet at like six o'clock because I'll leave Starbucks and I'll come meet you at the apartment, whatever. And his apartment was like this sterile, beautiful, modern box, right? Beautiful windows. And Starbucks is almost the antithesis of this. It's got like the rustic woods, the dark greens, the dark browns, the blacks, And he was trying, he told me on his worksheet, because I have everybody fill out a worksheet before they meet with me. He told me that he loves the aesthetic of Starbucks. And I was like, huh, well, I don't want to like really give you green paint and (laughs) rustic wood. Like I don't want to be too literal and tons of mugs. But what's that feeling that he felt there and he felt cozy and his new apartment was anything but cozy. This big vaulted ceiling, straight line, white box, right? Of course he didn't want to be at home. Uh, you know, Starbucks has leather and deep upholstered seats, and his apartment was so modern and austere that there was no part of it that felt like you wanted to kind of get cozy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's not about the exact stuff; it's about yeah. the feeling that stuff can evoke. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total
1: sense. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my own life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and tapping into some of those materials can bring up those sense memories. And then a couple years later, so, you know, he's just very memorable, even though he was one of literally thousands of my clients. I've had thousands of clients. but. I had a book launch a couple years later, and I invited everybody on my mailing list to come to my book launch party and whatever. And this guy comes up to me at the book launch party, and he says, Betsy, hi, you know, I worked with you a few years ago. And I'm like, oh, hi. I cannot remember everyone I've worked with. It's all a blur. (laughs) And he says, I'm the guy that lived at Starbucks. And he's like, now I love coming home. My home is so cozy, and I don't even stay at the Starbucks till closing anymore. (laughs) And, you know, just making those little changes in someone's life, changing how they feel in their space, um, is the transformative power of design. Yeah. You know, so how can we bring Crate and Barrel to you, Stephanie, without bringing Crate and Barrel to you? right? (laughs) Well, so
1: for me, you know, it's always getting a grasp on the clutter. You mentioned that. Perfectly. Um, Especially with young children, the clutter is like the opportunity for clutter to rear its head is ever present. And um, so for me personally, like the finishes maybe don't necessarily matter, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have to number one, get rid of the excess. And then number two, have a
0: system for the for the potential clutter. <laughs> like And I would think for you, clutter would be extra triggering because when I look at this clutter, like stuff from birthday parties that came in those little bags that, you know, my kid looked at once, and then we're going to throw away, you know, stuff from school, these tiny toys and little finger puppets that they enjoyed for three seconds and are now going back to the landfill because nobody else wants them. And I think that especially as we become more attuned to living in a sustainable way, would cause a lot of anxiety, would make me want to be like, get me into a sterile hotel room right now. (laughs) So I see that being a level of stress.
1: Yeah. Get me into a hotel room where somebody's going to come and clean up my (laughs) mess. Like I'm, I'm down for that. I would want that. I would want that whole aesthetic and experience as well. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. But bring in a couple of personal touches. That's my advice to you. Well, Stephanie, it has been so great having you on the podcast. If people have enjoyed you here, they're definitely going to want to tune in and subscribe to your show. So please tell people where they can find you. Sustainable
1: Minimalist. It is a top rated, top 10 home and garden podcast. I hate to toot my own horn like that, but I'm doing it. Um, So Sustainable Minimalist podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. I am on social media. I don't post that much. I'm just going to be honest. I hate social media, but I'm there at Sustainable Minimalists. And if you have a question, just reach out to me, DM me, talk to me. I really make it my mission to respond to absolutely everybody. So I'd love to hear from you. Thank you.
0: Well, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Pun intended. Pun intended. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There's so much more to learn and really my eyes are being opened to living more sustainably and thinking about it in this way. It's been on my radar, but it's never been a focus that's really taken over in too big a way. So I'm going to be thinking about it a lot more and I really appreciate you bringing your wisdom and also our awareness up with your knowledge on the show today. Thank you, Betsy,
1: for having me. I had so much fun. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us,
0: everyone. Until next week. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too.